Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good to have you along for the ride today. It is Super Tuesday here on the program, and we're going to talk about some rather, uh, well, some some tough issues to deal with with regard to the nation, the culture that we're living in, but also some good news that is happening in the same culture with regard to people and how we're handling our stuff. Um, you know, we're just kind of getting real here in the culture these days. And I'm, I'm really, I for one, I'm glad to see it. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's a fancy way of saying God saw the sin that had entered the world because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Uh, Eve for listening to the enemy saying, hey, did God really say that? And her going, well, um, you know, I mean... Uh, and then Adam standing there and watching her taste the fruit, that was going to condemn her. And then when God, of course, is wandering through the garden later that evening, he's basically saying, Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding? Who told you you were naked? Why did you give into this? You knew better. You, you knew and the, you had one job, which was not to, to eat of that fruit, and you did, and now you know. Now you know the difference between good and evil. Now you know the difference between right and wrong. Now you have the same knowledge as the Godhead, the Trinity, and you can't dwell here anymore. And it's really, it's just, it's fascinating to know that when you see how people know the difference between right and wrong, which now everybody has been stuck with that. It's amazing to me how many people in the culture who believe that Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for sin, so all sins are forgiven, so therefore we just have to be better versions of our sinful selves and treat people with kindness and respect and dignity, knowing that we can't agree on this. Knowing that we don't have a consensus for this apart from Christ, and yet somehow expecting people to live like there is a consensus apart from Christ. Even people in the church, you know, let's call on your better angels and don't speak negative things into existence. And it's like, come on, guys. I mean, let's face it. The die has been cast. God so loved the world that he originally created man in his image created him that male and female references of course to the xy that's inside every man and then when adam is given full reign of the garden you take care of this you be you know prosper this keep it going maintain what god has created and then god says hey look adam i mean we're going to put adam to sleep because he needs a companion all the other you know there's there's we've got reproduction going on for every other animal let's make sure that Adam has a companion too, and so the rib is taken out. I heard a great message by this uh, last weekend, Tony Evans in uh, Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas area, watching him online. And he said, you know, look look at what happened here. I mean, that, that whole, we talk about the God-shaped vacuum in the heart of man. How about the woman-shaped vacuum in the side of man? Literally, man now having a rib taken from him, not being complete any longer until He's in the relationship with the woman and the two of them together form the perfect union of the expression of God's love for us. And they sin. So now God being a holy God says, look, I can't just click my heels three times and pretend this never happened. You have to leave the garden. And as they leave the garden and we you know, struggle in sin for thousands of years before God said, okay, I love the world so much. I'm going to start redeeming this because I see what my creation has done to my creation. So I'm going to start redeeming mankind since Jesus Christ and his blood will pay the penalty for the sin of man. And whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that's where the, the Christian left, as it likes to be called, misses the point. 
Jesus didn't just die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and have the sin just be washed away miraculously, and now we just live good lives. We can't do that. What it means is we're still sinful by nature, but there is a way to redeem your life, to have your life redeemed, and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, Paul tells us, Romans 10, you will be saved. And so that's the formula. And of course, it relies on the Holy Spirit giving us the gift of faith to receive the gift of salvation, the bank, the money. You've, you've heard me share that before. But as we see what's happening in the culture right now, God is redeeming mankind. He's calling his own to him. He is strengthening the remnant, as it were. He is chastening us. He's correcting us. He's allowing us to uh, endure the, the consequences of our sinful actions, but also allowing us to repent from those sinful actions so that we might become more sanctified and that sanctification process will be complete once we cross the finish line entering into heaven. But we're also seeing as the, the uh, culture is being redeemed, we're also seeing a lot more sin being exposed. And as many people are, are just shocked and horrified with what's happening, we can do one of two things. We could say, well, oh my gosh, the, the, these, these weeds, these terrible things are happening in the culture. We must stop them. Or we can look at them for what they are and ask the question, God, what is the bigger picture? Case in point, so many people have seen the movie The Sound of Freedom uh, starring Jim Caviezel, who is most notably, oh, he was on Person of Interest, the TV show, he was in the Count of Monte Cristo movie, but of course he played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, uh, the, the biggest blockbuster independent film uh, made of, about the life of Christ of all time. A billion dollars in international ticket sales, like 500 billion just here in the States. And that was back in 2004. The Sound of Freedom is the story of Tim Bullard, who is a former uh, defense worker who wound up uh, launching a ministry to save people from uh, human trafficking, specifically children. And if you have been listening to The Bottom Line for a long period of time, there was actually a documentary made about Tim and we promoted it heavily here on the Bottom Line Show, actually hosted a screening of it here in town in Orange County. And it was on 700 or so Fathom Events screens. It was like 2015 that this happened. And Tim's story just resonated with hundreds, if not thousands of people. Well, eventually, um, some other folks said, hey, forget the documentary. Let's make this a big screen release. And so they got Jim Caviezel involved and and they, uh, it, it was sold to uh, 20th Century Fox, picked it up, and the movie was shot, and it was done, 2018, ready to be distributed. And then a funny thing happened on the way to the release date. Disney bought the film company side of 20th Century Fox. This is in 2018, 2019. And if you've heard the story, you know how remarkable it is. The Disney minions who are spending so much time trying to go woke trying to transgender the whole world, trying to basically hypersexualize children for their own shareholders and the demented base of leadership at Disney that was just trying to queer the world, had this movie and sat on it. That movie that you're seeing, The Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel, was done and ready to be released in 2018. And Disney sat on it. They acquired it along with 20th Century Fox, and they did nothing with it. Eventually, uh, the guys who released it independently uh, were able to get it back from Disney. 
just earlier this year. They released it on the 4th of July. They mounted a massive pre-sale campaign. A dear friend of this ministry, Lori Heiselman, was part of the team that uh, did the promotion on this. And they were able to get, <clears throat> excuse me, ticket sales for that it was a one you know they were going to do widescreen release but they released it on the 4th of July brilliant marketing strategy the sound of freedom movie on the 4th of July right and so they did a pre-sale of course to faith-based audience that went after it 10 million dollars worth of tickets were sold on opening day or for opening day it did better than Indiana Jones now that reboot had already been out 4th of July was a Tuesday not as many people go to the theaters but well okay $10 million, how did it do the rest of the week? By the end of the weekend, this past Sunday, The Sound of Freedom was at $40 million in ticket sales and will soon be over 100 Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Now, the left is losing its mind because this is some QAnon scan. If you watch left-leaning media, and I do, and it makes me depressed. <laughs> I try to, I mean, I watch right, center, left. I try to get as much as I possibly can to be as best educated for you and for us and for myself. I mean, hey, I beat my body and make it my slave, right? I don't want to be DQ'd when this is all done. But at the end of the day, you should see what they're saying on the left. This is a right-wing conspiracy. This is QAnon. These are those crazy guys from January 6th. In other words, what they're saying is child sex trafficking is a myth created by Trump-loving, MAGA-waving January 6th supporters. They really honest. Now, I understand the crimes are so horrific, they don't want to believe it's real. But the reality is, it is, in fact, real. Case in point, you've heard about what happened at Camp Pendleton. A Marine, it's now being reported, was detained last month after a 14-year-old girl was discovered in the barracks at Camp Pendleton. According to Captain Charles Palmer, who's the Director of Communications Strategy and Operations for the 1st Marine Logistics Group, he confirmed in a statement that a, quote, unidentified Marine with Combat Logistics Battalion 5, 1st Marine uh, Logistics Group, was taken into custody for questioning by Naval Criminal Investigative Services, NCIS, on June the 28th. The Marine is still in custody as of today. And he's in the custody of his command. He's not formally been charged yet. But don't you think it's a little strange that a 14-year-old girl who said she ran away from home on June, well, Grandma reported her missing on June 13th. She had left home apparently on June the 9th. But evidently this girl was bought for the purpose of sex trafficking. So tell me again, CNN, how the, the Sound of Freedom movie is made up. Sound of Freedom focuses on what happens internationally. This is happening here in San Diego. And yet there are those on the left, either in the church or outside the church, that will say this is just a right-wing fantasy. This is just, it's all made up. Not too long ago, Ken Ham of the Answers in Genesis Ministry, the world-renowned Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum. He wrote a book on this topic called Divided Nations, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and we have a copy of the book that we're going to give away today at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Let's get into this with Ken Ham on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line, somebody who understands what it means to be controversial, at least in the eyes of the world. But Ken Ham's message in this newest book is one that I think is something that every Christian has come to the realization that this really is, in fact, the case. The book is called Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Ken Ham, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Hi, it's great to be with you. Ken Ham is the founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis U.S., which is also uh, the founder of the acclaimed Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter, uh, over a million visitors annually. And Ken, i got to ask you before we get into the book, how are things at the museum and the Ark Encounter? I would imagine after COVID, things might be a little sluggish uh, getting back up and running again. How are things going there? Well, maybe some people would have predicted that, but actually the opposite is true. We find our numbers are record numbers. I mean, our numbers at both the Ark and the Creation Museum uh, post-COVID are actually greater than, you know, the pandemic. Not that we're post-COVID right now. You understand what I mean. Sure, but sure. post all the shutdowns and so on, uh, our numbers are actually greater than the 2019 numbers. You know what we're finding? We're finding a lot of families... And, and by the way, the bus tours, I mean, normally we have hundreds and hundreds of bus tours, and of course, bus companies cancel those all across America, and mm-hmm. that, that'll take a while to ramp up again and go across the whole country. But even without those, uh, we've had these record numbers, because families are recognizing there's something dreadful happening in this nation. They recognize their kids, their grandkids are going to grow up in a very different culture, and they've told me they want to impact them spiritually. They want to pass on a spiritual legacy, and they say, we want to bring them to places that we can trust what you say. We want them to learn. We want them to trust God's Word. And so they're pouring into the Ark and the Creation Museum. I think that's fantastic. And we'll have links up at thebottomlineshow.com because even though we're originating from California, I highly recommend you make the journey. I I think uh, someone once told me that that the area where you are there in Kentucky is kind of about a thousand miles away from everywhere. I mean, just kind of in a big (laughs) circle. It's it's pretty, talking about centrally located, it's a really central spot. We're within a one-day drive of two-thirds of America's population. It's interesting. I speak four days of a week down at the Ark, and I always ask where people are from. And I tell you, there's people from California every day. Mm, I love it. Okay, well, good. Well, check out that link at thebottomlineshow.com. You can learn more about the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. The brand-new book from Dr. Ken Ham is called Divided Nation, Cultures and Chaos in a Conflicted Church. You've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Why this book? Why now? Did you write this, Ken? Well... One of the things we're seeing is a major problem in the church because we're seeing an exodus from the church. I mean, if you look generationally at what's happened, we're seeing church attendance progressively go down more and more and more. I mean, if you go way back in history, once, what, 70% of the population attended church, the greatest right. generation, those born before 1928, it was about 56%. I mean, the baby boomers, 32% of those. When you get down to the millennials, it's 11.8%, or it was about 18%, but now... If you get down to the millennials and Generation Z together, it's about 11%. We continue to lose the younger generations from the church. And I'm challenging the church. We have to stand back and say, what has happened? Why is this happening? Why is the church not impacting the culture like it used to? And I'm going through and giving what I believe are the answers in this book to challenge people that I believe the church in many ways, and um, when I say the church too, I I also mean Christian families as, as well as a part of that, have not 
taught generations a number of things. We haven't taught them apologetics. We haven't taught them to defend their faith. They've compromised God's word with evolution and millions of years. We've undermined the foundation of our doctrine by not believing Genesis 1 to 11. I'm challenging the church that, look, we have got to admit something is wrong. Something we've done is not correct here. You know, it's interesting, as Ken Ham is sharing these thoughts with us in this brand new book, Divided Nation, comes at such a perfect time in our nation's history. We've got a link for it up at the bottom show.com. I couldn't help but uh, to notice as you were describing everything that's been going on that the church doesn't seem to be impacting the culture as much anymore because rather it's not so much impacting but rather reflecting the culture. uh, Talk about that if you would. Exactly. I would say that the culture has impacted the church. And, you know, there's really nothing new under the sun. When you look down through the ages, I mean, when you read through Scripture, through biblical history and the prophets, what was one of the biggest issues? Like Jeremiah said, look, you're there to influence them, not them, you. And in many ways, I believe we've let the culture invade the church. We let the culture invade the church in that uh, generations have been taught naturalistic, atheistic evolution and millions of years in the the public schools. And many of our Christian leaders have said, that's fine. We don't need to believe Genesis. Even many conservative pastors have told me, I don't want to deal with Genesis too controversial. And yet Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation. It's the foundation for all doctrine. If you want to deal with the gender issue, the abortion issue, the gay marriage issue, the racism issue, euthanasia issue. I mean, if you don't teach Genesis 1 to 11 as literal history, you don't have a foundation for a biblical worldview in those areas. And, you know, I think much of the church has also taken on what the world has done, and that is, you know, an emphasis on entertainment and experiential, Mm -hmm. you know, emphasis on feelings. And I see that in many churches with a bird's eye view of the church. I I love music, don't get me wrong, but I see many churches have increased entertainment from the front with a focus on music, and it's more performance-oriented and flashing lights and so on, and watered down the teaching of the Word we have failed to understand the younger generations need to be taught God's Word, taught the foundations from Genesis 1 to 11, and equipped with answers to the skeptical questions of our day uh, so that we can defend the Christian faith so that they're not caused to doubt God's Word and that doubt lead to unbelief. Uh, that's what we need to be teaching them. And we can have good music at the same time. Exactly, exactly. Ken Ham is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted church. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You've got five theses that you address in this book, Ken Ham, and I, I realize that a lot of people in the Christian community right now are of the get along to go along or go along to get along mentality where they're tr- trying not to rock the boat. I don't want to be offensive. I don't want church to seem too stuffy. And yet one of the uh, crucial foundational points that you bring up in this book is the fact that as Christians, there is no, there's no Switzerland, there's no bench, there's no, there's no place for us to hide. There really is no neutral position. Talk about why it's important for the church, if we're going to have an influence on the culture, to embrace that truth. Well, you know, we've, we've got this idea, I believe there's been a failure of much of the church here to teach people to understand no one is neutral, there's no neutral position. And, you know, to, to give you a practical understanding of this, first of all, from Scripture, you either for Christ or against, you either walk in light or darkness, you build your house on the rock or you build your house on the sand, there's a narrow way or the broad way. You know, the Bible doesn't give any other options, right? You either yeah. for Christ or against. Now, if you take what's happened in our culture, one of the things we've seen is, for instance, atheist groups like the Freedom From Religion Foundation and American Atheists or the ACLU have come in and bullied and intimidated and said, you can't have 
you know, the Bible in schools. You can't have prayer at graduation or football games. You can't have Christmas carols because that's, that's the Christian religion. Uh, you can't have crosses and nativity scenes in public places because that's Christianity. It needs to be neutral. And uh, many Christians have thought, oh, I guess if we remove those, then now it's neutral. Secular is neutral. Secular is not neutral. Secular is against God because you're either for Christ or against. And when they removed the Bible and prayer and so on from public schools, they didn't remove religion. They removed Christianity, the, the, the influence of Christianity that was there. They've removed that, and now they teach everything from a perspective of atheism. And now we see uh, the public schools, the secular schools, imposing critical race theory and imposing issues in regard to abortion and transgender, the LGBT worldview. And we wonder why we're losing the culture. And unfortunately, I think even many churches have sort of endorsed the that system without understanding if we don't equip generations to defend the Christian faith and give them the right foundation from God's Word, they're getting a foundation in, in the secular education from man's Word, which will build the wrong worldview. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing happening. You know, it's interesting, Ken Ham, as, we, as you've described this whole scenario that you've just laid out for us so clearly here on the Bottom Line Show, I understand that there are a lot of uh, pastors in particular who are saying, well, you know, I don't want to be too political. I don't want to be too judgmental. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. And, and, and then missionary friends will come running in and say, yeah, well, when we go overseas and you know, we're in the Middle East and this, that, and the other thing, we don't have this kind of setup. But I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but you're not talking about saying we're going to bring American Christianity with the laser lights and the really cool music so much as we're saying it's about teaching the gospel it's about preaching and teaching god's holy word and so if if it has to take on a different feel and a different approach to meet certain cultural norms it doesn't mean we back away from the truth what you're sensing is that we in the united states are backing away from the truth to try to get along to go along well, that's exactly what's happening. We've really backed away from standing on the Bible as the absolute authority of the Word of God. It's no different to what happened to the Israelites when you read through all the, the, the minor prophets, for instance. You know, they adopted the pagan religion of the age, meshed it with God's Word, it undermined God's Word, and then we can't ignore the fact that God is the one who sees this, and, and He will deal with those who compromise His Word and don't stand on His Word. You know, we've got to understand something. Naturalistic evolution is the pagan religion of the age to try to explain life without God. And much of the church has adopted that into God's Word. And that has resulted, I believe, in the Bible being relegated to more of a guidebook to life, and it's a book of spiritual things and moral things and so on. We've got to understand something. The Bible is the revelation from God who knows everything, and it's the foundation for our entire worldview. I mean, if you, we're raising up generations to look at this world, all the death and suffering we see in the world today. The atheists will say, how can there be a loving God if we believe God's Word beginning in Genesis, we understand it's a fallen world. This is not the world as God made it. He's a loving God because He stepped into history to save us from what we did. We've got to understand the importance of believing God's Word as the absolute authority and the foundation for our worldview in every area. Ken Ham, with some great words of wisdom today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, more of them are included, of course, in his brand new book called Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com as we continue. I'm going to ask Ken Ham why he says, why he maintains that there really is no such thing as a non-religious position. We'll talk about that next as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. 
This moves the safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Ken Ham is my guest, and we're talking about uh, his book, Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. Uh, this is a powerful book uh, that helps us to when you see about you know biblical mandates i mean he wrote this book in the middle of the pandemic but now when you see what's happening in the world right now and how biblical the biblical worldview is under attack it's no longer the standard for the way we live our lives here in this culture i mean the majority of people don't follow it even christians our friend george barna says that between four and six percent of people who profess christianity as their faith du jour um basically are saying we don't follow a biblical we only that many follow a biblical worldview um 800-227-5278 we do have a copy of this book to give away today 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the bottom line and as more people are flocking to theaters to see the sound of freedom with jim caviezel the powerful story of tim ballard and the story of uh, a, a, a kind of a navy seal gone rogue if you will who is now rescuing children um, from trafficking and the story of the Marine at Camp Pendleton who was caught with a 14-year-old girl in his barracks that allegedly had been purchased. I mean, it's really happening. And yet the greater tragedy may be the fact that half the nation doesn't believe it. Half the nation thinks that this is just a conspiracy, that this is just some kind of uh, sham put out by right-wing Christian extremists. So the question we have is, how do we not only rebuild the wall, as Randy and Maya from our conversation yesterday, but how do we also preach the gospel to people who need to hear the gospel? Because the name of the game is, we're not here to get stronger sex trafficking laws. We're here to convert people and to share the good news so that they won't spend eternity in hell. Uh, let's continue this conversation with Ken Ham on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Ken Ham is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Ken Ham is the founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis U.S., also the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. It has over a million visitors annually. And Ken, it was so good to hear in your opening segment how uh, well the attendance has gone with regard to, uh, you know, every you know 2019 numbers being what they were then the pandemic hits and everything shut down you reopen here in 2021 and even in spite of the fact that you can't get bus tours which is kind of bread and butter for any kind of uh amusement type of park of your nature you guys are seeing record numbers which means there's a hunger there's a there's a thirst for this and it's not necessarily just all christian families that want to see what you're doing with these two is that correct 
Well, at the Creation Museum in the Ark, the blessing we find is that we get 30% non-Christians coming to these attractions. So people come from all walks of life, all religious backgrounds. I've been at the Ark and seen, uh, you know, for instance, on one day, Muslims from Baghdad, a group of them, some Orthodox Jews, Catholic nuns, Amish, Mennonite, Baptists, Presbyterians. I mean, people you wouldn't see normally in church together. And they're intrigued because, you know, people really want to know what life is all about, and, you know, they've got those questions. I mean, let's face it, Romans 1 tells us God has made it evident to all that he's creator. Amen. And so, you know, we know, and Romans 2 tells us we have a conscience. God's written a law in our hearts. So, you know, there's a searching that people have, and we provide those answers. And we don't hit them on the head with it. We present it very professionally through these exhibits, and we don't hide what we believe about the Bible, and we don't uh, hide what we believe about the gospel. We present the gospel very, very clearly, and because they're in exhibit form, and they go through and look at it, and it's not like somebody preaching at them, hitting them on the head, and people often tell me, they say, we appreciate the way in which you present this, and uh, you're not forcing us to, you're trying to force us to believe what you believe, and yet at the same time, you're answering a lot of questions and uh, covering areas that we normally don't get to hear answers in. So it has a great impact on those people. It certainly does. Ken Ham is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, the founder of the Answers in Genesis U.S. Ministry and also the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. His brand new book is called Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. And uh, we're focusing on how the church can actually do a better job of standing for our firm in our Christian faith. And as Ken mentioned, not just hitting people over the head with Bible verses or you shoulds and thou shalt nots. It's interesting, Ken, as you're describing the number of people who don't have a quote-unquote religious affiliation, and it made me think about a phrase that I've heard a lot over the past decade that seems to become quite acceptable or have become quite acceptable in American culture, and that is people who will say, I am spiritual, but I'm not religious. One of your theses here in this brand new book is the fact that there actually is no non-religious position whatsoever. Help us understand what you mean by that. Well, here's the point. Everybody has a worldview. Everybody has a way of thinking through which they use as a lens to look at the world. You know, for instance, atheists will come along and say, now look, we don't go to church, we don't worship God, therefore we're not religious, we don't believe in God. Well, wait a minute, who decided that that was the definition of religion? That's their arbitrary definition. Uh, What they're trying to do is to say, oh, you Christians are biased, you're religious, uh, whereas we atheists are not. But wait a minute, we need to come right back at them and say, but you have beliefs, you believe all life is a result of natural processes, you believe uh, that there's no God, you believe the whole universe came about by natural processes, they're your beliefs, and you can't go out and scientifically prove those, they're your beliefs that determine your worldview and how you look at the world. Um, In fact, if you look up the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the definition of religion, it divides it into a number of categories, and one is a cause, a principle, a system of belief held to with ardor and faith. Everyone has one of those. Everyone has beliefs about who they are, where they came from, how you uh, look at the world. And so we need to understand that everyone has a religion. And ultimately, here's what I would say, ultimately people really have only two religions. When you start in Genesis, when God came to Adam, he said, you can eat of all the trees except one, obey God's word, right? That's the foundation for you, God's word. When the devil came along and said, did God really say, you can become as God, you can, you can be like God. In other words, it's man who determines truth, you determine truth for yourself. 
And really, even though we talk about hundreds of religions in the world, really it all comes down to there's only two, ultimately. You build your thinking on man's word or God's word. I mean, if you build your thinking on God's word, starting in Genesis, we have a particular way of thinking about the world, you know, that that this world is suffering from sin and the curse and the judgment of death and there's been a global flood and the Tower of Babel, which is why you have different people groups and so on. But if you start with man's word, you say, well, you know, there's no God. This all came about by, you know, chance random processes or whatever. You have some other beliefs, but you're starting from man's word. Man devises his own way of thinking. That's what we need to really come to grips with, that everyone has a religion and your religion is either for Christ or against. It's either, you know, the broad way or the narrow way. You either start from God's word or you start from man's word. That's the bottom line. And we need to understand that because then that impacts the way in which you deal with people and you you talk to people. It's sort of like, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to LGBT people who say to me, look, uh, you, you're Christians and, and, you know, you're biased and you're filled with hate speech because uh, you don't allow all views, whereas we're tolerant. Uh, we allow all views uh, in regard to, uh, you know, marriage and gender and so on. But wait a minute, they don't allow all views. That's the whole right. point. They have a worldview because they say to me, well, you're saying that your view is right. Well, we're saying our worldview built on the Bible is right because God is the absolute authority. Therefore, there's only one view of gender in humans, male and female, and there's only one view of marriage. God created marriage, right? Not Supreme Court justices. And right. Marriage yes. is a man yes. and a woman. And they say, but you, but now you're you're um, not allowing all views. And we say, but you're not allowing all views. You're not allowing our view based on the Bible that says there's only one view. And so you see, you have a worldview which is clashing with with our worldview, because we have two different foundations. Mm. That is so critical uh, for us to understand. And I realize here in the last 60 seconds of our conversation, not exactly quite enough time for Ken Ham to really fully explore this, but the idea that if we're going to bring unity in the church, first and foremost, and get rid of the cultural chaos, we have to think foundationally about developing a truly Christian and biblical worldview. Ken Ham, how do we do that knowing that there are a lot of people who are professing faith but they're becoming the, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. I mean, we're, we're, it's really right there in the forefront. Well, you know what? It really comes down to this. We need unity in regard to the Word of God. So therefore, we've got to start right at the beginning of the Word of God. Amen. And I would say that that's where that unity is, has been disrupted in our day and age, because there's been a, an incredible attack on the first 11 chapters of the Bible that are actually foundational to all doctrine and our worldview. Until till we can agree on that, we're not going to get that unity, unfortunately. Well, I appreciate the book that you've written that is going to help us take a look at this unity in a whole different light. Uh, for those who are experiencing any kind of anxiety about what's happening in the culture right now, especially in the church, Ken Ham's book is a must-read. The book is called Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Ken Ham, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Hey, thank you. And we've got a copy of that book to give away right now. Uh, if you are looking for answers, if you're looking for an end to the confusion and the chaos that is not only dividing people in the culture, but it's also dividing people in the church. I highly recommend to you uh, the most recent book by Ken Ham. Again, it's very easy to gloss over this and say, well, I, you know, we have unity in my church, so that's okay. Uh, the book is called Divided Nation. Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we're giving away a copy right now. Give Crystal a call at 800-227-5278. 
the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, you might be asking, okay, Roger, it's Super Tuesday. Why are we having this conversation about biblical unity? And we know the worldview battle lines are pretty well uh, drawn and defined. Why, Why have this conversation now when we basically know what we need to do? Well, here's the reason why this conversation, I think, is probably more important now and especially around election time. We run the risk having a conversation the other day on social media with a friend from uh, years gone by. We went to the same church together. Now their family is in a different state. And we were just kind of catching up. And I realized how much of our relationship, how much of our friendship, even though it started at a church, how much of our connection was political. And, and that really, I, I was saddened, not only for us, you know, as two families that had kind of drifted apart, but also, I think just for me and myself saying, hey, wait a minute, how did I get to the point where a relationship with a good God-fearing family, people who, you know, like-minded in terms of, uh, uh, you know, water and spirit, you know, worshiping God and spirit, spirit and truth, but so much of our conversation was dominated by politics. So much of it was, and it, and it wasn't even so much reaching across. This is something I, I, I will continue to marvel at when it comes to progressives. The progressive mindset is I'm right, you're wrong. You heard Ken Ham talk about, you know, the marriage issue, for example, and, and ask the question, well, why is it that people in the LGBTQ community are so adamant that they're right, and yet they think that they're welcoming and inclusive, and, you know, we, we believe in all opinions, and you're dogmatic, and we're not. They're, sure, they're dogmatic. I mean, I mean, most people who dig it at some point say, I'm being dogmatic about this. If you're going to be dogmatic and have no other opinion matter but yours, you better be right. And the beautiful thing about our faith in Christ is God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And what God is saying is, look, sin is wrong. You are sinful. You're condemned unless you receive the gift of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And you believe that his death paid the penalty for your sin, because quite frankly, my death, your death, none of our deaths on the cross could ever come close to paying the debt for our sin. But how much of what we you know, take for granted is, oh yeah, I'm a believer, you're a believer. Wouldn't you like to believe, be a believer too? How much of that becomes secondary when we start talking about cultural issues? My prayer is that for those of us in the body of Christ, if we want to see a true cultural transformation, the spiritual component, the God made him who had no sin to be sin for us component comes to the forefront. Because when the heart, what did Jesus say about if you clean the outside of the cup, what happens to it? It's still dirty. But if you start cleaning the inside of the cup, the outside will also become clean physically because that soapy water is going to splash over the side, but metaphorically, because if you clean the inside, you transform the out. So my hope and prayer, as we look at a book like Ken Ham's, and we see a conflicted church because the culture is in chaos, that we would be so rock solid, not because we're politically aligned, but because we're spiritually entwined. 800-227-5278 is the number to call. We've got one copy of this book to give away, and we will gladly give it away. Of course, remember, and I always mention this, but I'll throw it out here again. Remember that if for some reason you don't get through to win the book, talk to Crystal, see what you can do. I mean, we have other prizes, okay? <laughs> just just to be fair, there are lots of other things you could win. And sometimes 
even if it's not everyone Wednesday, there's a certain level of generosity that comes through. Okay. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to take a look at a portion of scripture where many of us who are good, godly, Bible-believing Christians don't pay attention to. And now the numbers from the Federal Reserve, actually, are going to back that up. We're going to talk about inheritances coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the things I love about Preborn, our friends at Preborn are doing such a fantastic, diligent work to tell the truth about what happens to a woman who finds herself with a pregnancy that either she didn't plan on or the world lied to her and said, take birth control and you have nothing to worry about. When you call 833-850-BABY today and make a donation to Preborn, a couple things will happen. First and foremost, you'll be giving a gift. A $28 donation will help provide an ultrasound treatment for a woman who is expecting. She'll get a pregnancy test, an ultrasound. She'll get to see the first pictures ever of her child, her son or daughter. 85% of the time when a woman goes through that experience, she chooses life for the baby, either to become the child's parent or to deliver the child and release the child for adoption. Secondly, you will be transformed because of what God will do through you through the giving of the gift. $28 for one child, uh, $280 saves 10 kids. And right now we still have Dennis Wilson's match up to $7,500. If we get a one-to-one match of and unleash those funds, another ultrasound machine will be placed in a preborn clinic. Give your most generous gift. Give $1,000 right now. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. My thanks again to Ken Ham with the Ark Museum, the Creation Museum, and Answers in Genesis Ministry for joining me today here on The Bottom Line and providing us a copy of his book to give away, especially in the culture that we're living in right now. This is a huge book to to digest, to tackle as the church. It's called Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Crystal's taking your calls right now for the one copy we are giving away. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I mentioned a couple of moments ago, we still have about two-thirds of Dennis Wilson's $7,500 match in place for preborn. Dennis has put up a matching gift of $7,500. That's half the amount that we need to get an ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic. Now, during the month of June, we had about $2,500 worth of donations come in to the bottom line show, and I'm grateful for every dollar that came in. But here's my question. What are you waiting for? I mean, seriously, there's a woman today. There are dozens of women today who found out they're pregnant or they think they might be pregnant and they're not sure what to do. They're wondering if that is even a life. The culture has told them that's a bunch of cells that's inside your womb. And well, we can make this go away if it's problematic for you. They don't know the truth. They don't know that that yes is a human being, an actual baby. Number one has mom and dad's DNA in there, plus all the different histories that come in that just are so fascinating. You know, when you see something that didn't pass from mom or dad to the kid, but grandpa shows up and you go, oh, that's where you got that from. That's really a trip. But then in addition, that human being has such value. I mean, tremendous, immeasurable, incalculable value. And for someone who's saying right now, this is an inconvenience. This is an eternal soul we're talking about here. 
And the fact that the ultrasound is used in pre-born clinics all over the country, but especially right here in our area, pre-born clinics are showing ultrasounds to women because the abortion clinics won't show them the ultrasound. In other words, they won't tell them the truth about what's happening inside their womb. It, it's just, it's amazing. I've seen this meme that goes around uh, in social media right now that just says, isn't it interesting that the same culture that would actually cheer the death of a child in the womb like this would grieve somebody who has gender confusion not being called by the gender by which they are confused to believe that they really are. It's amazing. I, I want to take a moment out here before we go any further to thank Nancy and Temecula. Nancy called in a $100 donation to preborn, and that's going to count against the $7,500 uh, matching gift from Dennis Wilson. Quite frankly, as much as I love Dennis, I would love to stop saying we still have a matching gift from Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial. In all honesty, Dennis loves kids, by goodness, eight kids, 19 grandkids, a couple of great-grandchildren. I mean, he and Kathy were very busy and are amazing parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. But when he found out about preborn, he said, man, this is it. This is all about legacy. And it's amazing how many people who are affiliated with the Bottom Line Show and Wilson Financial are stepping up and saying, yes, it, this is about life and the urgent need is now. Roe versus Wade passed over a year ago. I mean, the uh, excuse me, the Dobbs versus Jackson, which basically overturned Roe versus Wade. And during that time, the fight for the sanctity of human life has gotten even more intense. But at the heart of this issue are women who have been blessed with children and they're not sure what to do. And the left won't tell them the truth. The left will tell them, look, here's the deal. Like we were talking about with Ken Ham, talking about this cultures in conflict. The left will say, if you want to be a parent, congratulations, celebrate the miracle of childbirth. But if you don't want to be a parent, that's just a bunch of tissue. Those are just a few cells. We can eliminate those cells and you can get on with your life. Because by golly, your convenience is far more important than the eternal soul that has now been blessed to you, that child who's growing inside your womb. If you only think that today is all there is or tomorrow or next week or the next five or 10 years, then that's a relatively easy decision if you don't want to be pregnant, right? And if no one tells you the truth, right? But it's amazing how when you see the picture, what is the old expression? A picture is worth a thousand words. An ultrasound picture is worth an eternity. And Nancy, thank you for calling in with that $100 donation at 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. That spells out B-A-B-Y. You can also give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com. There's a link there for preborn right there. It's easy to click on and make your donation. If you have auto population uh, credit card or debit card, you can literally make that donation in about 28 seconds. $28 donation will save the life of one child because the preborn success record is so good. And let us not forget, talk about preaching the gospel. When you share the good news about the, the life that has been born, the eternal soul that has been created inside that mother's womb, and how that child can have life either with mom and dad raising that child or them releasing that child for adoption once he or she is born, 85% of the time, the child gets life. Now, there are still some women who go to a preborn clinic. They see the ultrasound and say, I can't handle this. And we're praying for them. We're praying for the anguish that they've gone through and, and the regret and the, the statistically, scientifically proven depression 
that will follow, the difficulty getting pregnant, it's all right there. But if we do so with love and respect and gentleness and courtesy and grace, but truth as well, we're doing the work of the kingdom. It's $15,000 for one ultrasound machine. And I encourage you, Dennis Wilson's put up half the money. Let's get the other half. Let's get as much of it as we can between now and the end of the program. If you are feeling led to give $1,000 right now and you know who you are, when God tells you to do it, just do it. Trust me, every time God has spoken to me and the Holy Spirit said, this is what I want you to do. If I hesitate I'm just, oh. or I don't do it, then it comes back around. Why didn't you do it? You know, you know that still small voice. We all know. I wasn't sure if God was speaking to me. Sure you were. I was, you were, we all were, right? 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. Or go online to kbrightradio.com. You can go to rogermarsh.com. We've got the uh, the banner there for preborn as well. It's two little babies wrapped up in a blanket. And you just click on there and make that donation. It's completely tax deductible. And every penny you donate goes to the mission of providing ultrasounds, either the ultrasound appointment or putting an ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic. And remember last year, preborn was able to play 65 abortion machines and 10% of them came from the bottom line. And trust me, we're not the only place they advertise. Okay, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, what about inheritances? You had that little bugger, you raised them, and now you're getting to be a little bit older and you're going to leave an inheritance for your kids, right? The Bible says that that's what a good person does, but how many people in America actually do? We'll take a look at the numbers coming up next as the bottom line continues. You've been in an accident and the worst thing you can do is to wait to contact Stephanie at Cover Law. Stephanie frequently talks to people who waited too long to seek help with their cases or tried to handle them on their own, and by then, it's too late. Family and friends mean well, but they can give truly bad advice. Often, even trusted advisors will try and convince you to wait for more compensation. Stephanie knows the insurance companies want you to wait. They don't want you to file police reports, and they don't want you to reach out to Stephanie at Cover Law. That's because Stephanie is keenly aware of the tactics they use and why. She spent 20 years litigating for insurance companies and knows the strategy they will use to minimize their liability and your awarded amount. Insurance companies are for profit. They don't share Stephanie's Christian values, and typically they won't be fair to you. Don't deny yourself the ability to get better. Go with a proven expert in the field of personal injury and contact Cover Law at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R today. Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I ever recommend because she knows the law frontward and backwards, but her faith is so strong. She understands the biblical ramifications of having a good personal injury representation for you, someone who knows the law and also knows scripture. 877-214-4935. Stephanie with an F, Cover is in cover. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. You have just a few minutes left. What about three, three and a half to call in at 800-227-5278 and get your name in the drawing for Ken Ham's book that is a game changer for churches, for Christians, and for the culture as well. It's called Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, how many of us will do the following? We'll work hard our entire lives 
And then at the end of our days, we'll say, all right, well, I don't care what happens to my resources. Just you guys do whatever you want to do with them. You'd be amazed at the number of people who don't set out to do that, but how many people wind up doing that simply because lack of planning. I'm so grateful that Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial has been a part of the Bottom Line Show. Now they're in their 11th year of being a part of what we do here. And one of the things, Dennis is not an estate planner per se, but he can help you structure your portfolio in such a way that you can support charities when you are no longer here. You can leave money to your kids. I mean, it's, it's, it's staggering to see the number of families who go through that big, ooh, I remember pastoral ministry days when mom or dad would pass away and the adult kids would get together and some of them knew what the estate looked like and some of them didn't. Many people thought the uh, Federal Reserve actually estimates that the vast majority of people, over 90%, honestly think they're going to get more of an inheritance than they actually do. Some Christians question the validity of an inheritance and to those who do, uh, may I remind you, Proverbs 13, 22 says a good man or a good person leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, some people might say, oh, that means I leave it to my grandkids and not my kids. The idea is that you leave something to your children that they could pass on to their children and so on and so forth. But how much is enough? And how much is the actual annual or the one-time inheritance? What happens? Well, the, came across some statistics from the Federal Reserve and I want to walk through them with you on the other side of this break. I'm going to open up the phone lines to give you a chance to weigh in on this too. The question is, are you leaving an inheritance to your children? Scripture says a good man does this, but how many Americans actually do? Would you be surprised to learn that only 20% of Americans actually leave an inheritance for their kids? 20%, 30% tops. Now, sometimes it's because they don't have a lot of money, but sometimes... There are other issues at stake as well. I'm going to look at the spiritual ramifications for not leaving an inheritance and leaving an inheritance, and then take a look at how much the average inheritance is in the United States. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Uh, Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, coming up next. For those who remain with us here on the network, we're going to get into inheritances, and I'll share a couple of personal stories about it. Coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Super Tuesday edition of the program, and interesting topic of conversation here as it pertains to something that was a campaign issue of about eight years ago or so, uh, President 44 decided that we needed to raise money for the federal government, and the best way to do it is to tax you and tax me when one of our loved ones passes away. Now, as we are considering the value of the inheritance that most people get and the inheritance taxes that people pay, um, if you've ever wondered whether or not you're going to owe inheritance tax, here's the threshold, in case you're wondering, Okay. The threshold is if the estate that is passed on is worth $12,920,000 or more, you owe federal tax. But if not, then you're pretty much in the clear. That is good news. And by the way, prizes that you win that you want to pass on to somebody else typically aren't part of uh, federal inheritance taxes as well. I want to congratulate Susan from Newberry Park, who is our winner of Ken Ham's book, Divided Nation. Hope you enjoy that. Uh, it should be a, a, a real benefit to you to have that book. And of course, 
I mentioned you want to give Crystal a call at 800-227-5278 because we want to take your calls and see what you think about this inheritance thing. Now, this is a new study from the Federal Reserve with regard to how much money people actually get in inheritances. I can tell you this. In my conversations with Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial, he he will corroborate this statistic. When it comes to leaving money to a family member, the vast majority of us will not actually receive an inheritance. Toward that end, the people who do get the inheritance will blow it in the first year. I hope that didn't come off too blunt, but (laughs) statistically, 90% of people who receive a lump sum of anything, whether it's an inheritance or maybe a bonus or a windfall from some kind of you know stock sale or something like that, will blow it in the first year. Now, if you spend it all in the first year and it goes to like a mission thing or something like that, you may not consider having that being blown, but that's what it is. I mean, according to their statistic. But I mentioned before the break, the number of people who think they're getting an inheritance and wind up getting less or nothing is about all of us. The vast majority of Americans, according to the Federal Reserve, badly overestimate how much money they're going to get in an inheritance. I found that to be fascinating. That almost $13 million level where you have to pay an inheritance tax, very few people will actually run into that as well. But when it comes to Federal Reserve data, take a wild guess as to what the average inheritance is based on what the Federal Reserve tracks in terms of transfer of wealth. Phone lines are open, 800-227-5278. By the way, everyone who calls in to get in on this conversation during this final half hour of the program, I believe we still have some screeners of the movie, The Baby Boomer Dilemma that Dennis Wilson has made available to us. And this is, again, the whole idea with Baby Boomer Dilemma is to show you the history of the individual retirement account, the IRA, and the 401k, that's an IRS designation. The idea that a lot of people are led to believe that if you invest money in a 401k, you're actually saving money because you don't have a tax burden on the money you put in there. You get to, let's say you make $100,000 a year, put $15,000 into your 401k or IRA, and now your gross income before all the adjustments is 85,000 instead of 100. So technically you would save the tax on the 15,000. That's good news in the short term if you are anticipating having a large tax bill. The problem is if you do that year after year after year and you get all those tax savings, those chickens come to roost when you retire. By the time you hit age 70, maybe you've made money on your 401k or IRA. Maybe you haven't because it's invested in the market. The market gives and the market takes away. The market goes way, way up and the market goes way, way down. And we're in kind of a way, way down cycle right now. Then you hit age 70 and say, oh, good. I have a little bit of social security, a little bit of pension. I don't need my 401k. And the federal government says, oh, yes, you do. You have to start taking what's called a required minimum distribution. They force you to take a portion of your IRA every year. And the minute you take it out, guess what? Eh, You're taxed on it. You're taxed on how much money your account made. You're taxed on the amount that you're taking out. And remember all those deferred taxes that you didn't have to pay when you were younger? Well, those chickens come to roost. So here's the thing. 
a lot of folks get into retirement and they're thinking, okay, I'm good. I got some money tucked away. I've got social security, house is paid for, or maybe you move to a different state where you can afford to cash out your California or Colorado home and move to Texas or Tennessee or something like that. And you're doing all right. And then you wind up leaving, you know, this earth behind and your kids get the final tally on what you have. Now, I, I was counseling with some young adults a couple of years ago who were going through an issue of an estate. Their parents had uh, divorced. Uh, mom didn't really have a lot of uh, means, as it were. And when everything was all said and done, there was actually a balance due on some of the debts that their mother left to the children. It's, it's kind of a cruel blow. I have a friend who's a divorce attorney. He says, there's nothing worse than showing somebody on the divorce decree that you have been awarded debt. That's the legal term is you are awarded that debt. And the idea that somehow, you know, hey, here's $20,000 in credit card debt and the court is awarding this to you. Gee, thanks. But it's actually becoming more common. And you're thinking, wait a minute. Greatest generation worked hard had all the advantages when it comes to pensions. Those pension plans aren't around anymore. And they could invest in IRAs and 401ks. Their houses are paid for. They didn't take on a lot of debt. They didn't do frivolous car purchases or whatever vacations. What do you mean the average amount that a household inherits is so small? Well, here's the number. Are you ready? The average inheritance for an American household in data collected by the Federal Reserve in 2022 was $46,200. That's the average amount that the average household inherited. Now, let's look at this from a slightly different perspective. Let's say there were two children. Each one's receiving an average of 46,200. The report doesn't indicate. Let's say that there weren't any children because of tragic circumstances, but there are grandchildren who are named in the, the will or the trust. You get the idea. Actually did have a woman who was affiliated with our church. She was single. She'd been divorced. She had a dog. She loved the dog. She wanted to leave all of the money to the dog. Really did happen. We had to convince her to leave the money to a relative who would care for the dog, but nonetheless, she was perfectly content to leave $650,000 to a poodle. Now, it's amazing when you look at this and say, that's it. But Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So what is it with the inheritances and why does it seem as though so many people are so, well, how should we say chintzy? Why are they so small? I would have figured, especially with the number of Christians in America, that they'd be a lot larger than that. Well, we're going to take a look at how this breaks down by demographic category. And uh, take your calls as well, 800-227-5278. Do you plan on leaving an inheritance for your children? I'll let you in on a little secret. In my dealings with Dennis Wilson over the past 10 years, he never mentions names. I have no idea the identity of any bottom line listener who has any sort of investment with Dennis. I'll say this right up front. Outside of my parents and my sister, because I know them, their family. But 
some of the stories I've heard about where the money goes and how many ministries benefit because maybe the kid didn't, well, I can kind of see where they're coming from. But Proverbs 13, 22, Roger, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. How do we square that up? We'll take a look at some uh, of the spiritual ramifications of leaving a will and not, or leaving a, an inheritance and not leaving one coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, here's an idea. When you think about leaving money to someone or giving a gift in honor of them, Maybe you have a hard time saying, I'm not going to leave that amount of money to them, but why not leave a memorial gift in their honor? Take preborn, for example. It's $15,000 to put a, an ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic. So a woman who uh, thinks she might be pregnant goes in, gets the pregnancy test, gets the ultrasound, and voila, there's a picture of little Bambino who's going to be here in seven or eight or nine months. That ultrasound machine costs $15,000, but it can do 250 ultrasounds every year for a minimum of 10 years. What a great investment, what a powerful legacy, and it's completely tax deductible. Call Preborn right now at 833-850-BABY and find out how you can leave a legacy gift of $15,000, $30,000. Leave a legacy gift in honor of a member of your family that will give the gift of life for children whose lives might be hanging in the balance because of the uncertainty of whether or not they're going to be aborted. 833-850-BABY, call Preborn right now or go online to kbrightradio.com, click on the Preborn banner and give your best tax-deductible gift today. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-227-5278. If you'd like to weigh in on our poll question for this half hour, are you leaving your children an inheritance? Statistically, you're not, by the way. According to the Federal Reserve, only 30% of Americans leave an inheritance of any kind to their family. It could be maybe a piece of property. Uh, it could be, I know, an extended family member who has a, a smallish home in a rural town. And uh, we're all wondering where that's going to wind up. It might be some money. Um, 800-227-5278. I'm curious. Something tells me that bottom liners are people who look at Proverbs 13.22 and say, yeah, uh, uh, you know, the, the good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Uh, before the break, I mentioned the good idea would be to leave a gift where through preborn, if you've maybe got an issue with a kid and you're not sure that money would be the best thing for them. I want to thank uh, Tessa, who uh, rang us up from Burbank and has given a gift, an ongoing gift uh, that uh, uh, will total about, it looks like about $56 per month uh, every month in perpetuity. Uh, that actually helps get two ultrasound appointments done at a preborn clinic. Tessa, thank you so much for calling 833-850-BABY. We still have about two-thirds of Dennis Wilson's $7,500 match, and I realize that two phone calls takes care of that. One bottom line lister calls up with $2,500, another one, $2,500. Dennis matches it. We now have $15,000, and a new ultrasound machine will go in. Remember last year, I can't stress this enough, preborn advertises all over the place. They advertise on Christian radio stations all over the country. As a matter of fact, they advertise and started advertising on a Christian radio station right here in town, literally a few miles from the Bottom Line Show main studios, about a year before they advertised with us. And I don't know how many ultrasound machines they were able to place through that other radio station, but of the 60 that they placed last year, six of them came through the Bottom Line Show. And I would love to tell you tomorrow on the program that seven of them did. Who's with me? 
833-850-BABY. Tessa, thank you so much for calling in for Burbank and giving that generous donation. Okay, our phone lines are open here. I mentioned before the break that only 70%, oh, excuse me, only 30%, so 70% of American households will actually leave a uh, an inheritance, some kind of money or property or stock or something like that to their kids. And the average tally per household is $46,200. But how does that break down? Remember I mentioned um, at the start of the segment, the number of people who think they're getting a big inheritance um, actually aren't. As a matter of fact, the vast majority, over 95% of Americans are under the impression they're like, well, my mom and dad are pretty wealthy. And uh, I know when they pass away, they're going to leave me a million dollars. And then they look at the final tally and go, that, that doesn't seem right. That seems low. Is there something happened? Well, that may be because of stocks involved or maybe some property that needed to be sold. Or maybe just maybe family doesn't talk about money that much. Now, I am blessed to have a couple of parents who have been fairly transparent with us, especially in the later years, about where they are. You know, coming from the greatest generation, mom and dad don't want to be a burden to anybody. And my sister and brother and I have had some really good conversations about where they are. Uh, primarily because we want to make sure that they have enough resource-wise to cover medical expenses, which have been pretty extensive over the past decade. And God has blessed them in ways that are not exorbitant. They're not super wealthy, but they're well taken care of, and we're grateful for that. Okay, the top 1% of Americans, as you can imagine, um, get the largest inheritances. The average inheritance for somebody whose family is in the top 1% of income is $719,000 per household. That's a pretty nice check. I mean, that's a, that's a really nice check. You could do a lot worse than that. Well, here's what's interesting, though. Guess what the average expected inheritance in that category is? The actual inheritance, $719,000. The expected inheritance, $941,000. Whoops. Junior was expecting a million. Mom and dad gave him three quarters. Okay. Now, the next 9% of American families, the average inheritance is $175,000 per household. Again, a nice little push if you're raising a family, trying to plan for your own retirement. That's a nice little bump. But the next 9% anticipate having an inheritance of $275,000 instead of one seventy-five. So these households are around 35% short. Now, when it comes to the middle class, and we're talking mid-range, the next 40% of American households, the average family receives $45,900 and the anticipated inheritance is around 60 grand. So there's a bit more reality settling in. Now, here's the deal. When it comes to the bottom 50, if there is any money, it typically is around $10,000. And that $10,000 more often than not is a payout from a life insurance policy. In actual fact, the majority of American families, no one receives any inheritance whatsoever. So you could do the math. But think about 
what it takes to get to the point where you can leave an inheritance. Proverbs 13, 22 is clear. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But the proverb does not say a good man leaves a million dollars for his kids. In some cases, you might find someone who actually does say, I got three kids, I'm going to leave X for you, X for you, X for you. And I've got five grandkids, I'm going to leave X for them or Y for them, Y, Y, Y. And the Y would be the parents saying, hey, why did they get money? That would be our responsibility. But the idea is to think of paying it forward for future generations. So the biblical mandate is make sure that there's an inheritance. But the biblical mandate does not have a dollar amount on it. So give generously, give thoughtfully, and also give cautiously. One thing I have learned from Dennis and Wilson Financial Advisors is, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, if you have a situation, and let's be real, can we just be candid for a second? I can think of a woman in my former church who I loved dearly, and she and her husband were just, they were virtually charter members of the church. And she has a son who has he developed a substance abuse problem, you know, something that shouldn't have happened. She worked for a Christian ministry. Uh, husband was a captain in the military. They, they had everything going right for them family-wise, but their son developed a chemical dependency. Uh, he was addicted to drugs and he was in and out of prison. And my first thought was, wow, if she left him $100,000, I know what would happen to it. That's not good for him. This isn't about being punitive. It's about saying what's right. I mean, let's face it. God loves us all equally, but he doesn't love us the same. You know, one man's, you know, super highfalutin lifestyle might be a tenth of the value of somebody else's middle class. I mean, it it really, there's a lot of, you know, your own perception that goes into it. But on the other side of this break, I want to talk about why it's important as we think about investments, we think about what we do with the resources God has entrusted to us, especially in our senior years, why it's important to keep Proverbs 13.22 in mind, however, not to look at the statistical averages, that was just for fun, but to think in terms of what would God have us do with our resources in our final years as we get to that point where that one day where we all face it, where you enter the stadium for the final time and you've got one last trimer on the track before it's time to go home after you cross the finish line. What's the best way to approach that? We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, I wanted to say thank you to Stephen who called in from Dana Point with a $50 donation on a monthly basis to our friends at uh, Preborn, 833-850-BABY. Preborn is a great donation to make, especially now. I know you're not thinking about taxes now, not thinking about that till the end of the year, but it's completely tax deductible and every $28 donation statistically will save a baby's life in a preborn clinic because the mom gets to see the ultrasound of the baby. That's something you will not find in an abortion clinic. Abortion clinics do not want the mother to see the child. They'll tell her it's too traumatic. Well, the trauma is the fact that they want you to kill the baby and they're going to harvest the organs and sell them. And if you go to the preborn clinic and see that ultrasound, you're going to say, that's a baby. When are we having a shower? You know, what are we having uh, the, you know, birth announcements going out? So thank you, Stephen, for that, uh, 
donation to preborn 833-850-BABY is the number to call. Also got a call during the break. Michael called in on the ad line and was uh, just wanted to get in on the conversation and said, yes, he is planning on leaving an inheritance for his kids. And as a matter of fact, he's got an appointment with Dennis Wilson next week to discuss that and talk about how to do so. As I mentioned before, Dennis is not an estate planner per se, but the financial advice he'll give you for what you're in your 50s, you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, um, there are things you can be doing right now strategically to be the best steward you can with the resources to which God has entrusted you so that you can provide income as close to tax-free, if not completely tax-free, as you possibly can during um, your retirement years. Call Dennis, 800-696-9970. Talk to Emily or Brooke or Devaney, one of the gals in the office. Set up an appointment for a no-cost consultation. for Wilson Financial. And I know they're going to give you a screener for the baby boomer dilemma. So if you want to just get the baby boomer dilemma, you can call us here at 800-227-5278. We'll give it to you for free. And the reason is, A, a stewardship issue. You want to be good stewards with the resources to which God entrusts you. B, that entrusting might involve an inheritance that you receive. And what do you do? You weren't planning on getting $250,000, but your grandparents pass away or mom and dad have passed away and you didn't know you were going to get this. I would imagine that most Christians probably underestimate how much we're going to get. Whereas the world is like, yeah, I thought I was going to get a million bucks and all I got was 750. Dad, you know, thanks a lot. But being a good steward also means you're going to be smart with your investing. You're not going to pay a lot of taxes, if at all. And you're also going to look at the situation your kids are in and your grandkids and ask the question, if I leave them a large sum of money, will it actually do more harm than good? I think that's the only reason I can think that you would not leave an inheritance of a sum of money or a piece of property or stock or something like that without setting up some kind of conditions, whether it's a trust fund, certain conditions have to be met. That's a very loving thing to do. It doesn't mean you're going against Proverbs 13. Rather, I think it, it actually adds to it. But at the end of the day, understand that your father loves you and loved you so much that for beyond you, of course, if, if as Jesus said, if the birds of the air don't have to worry about what they're going to eat, we shouldn't, certainly shouldn't have to worry about those types of things either. It may not be what we want to eat and it may not be in a super abundance, but he, he's not going to let us go hungry. He's not going to let us go lonely. He's not going to let us go thirsty or cold or naked, maybe inconvenienced, but certainly not abandoned. But think of the inheritance your heavenly father has for you in heaven. The treasures stored up. And ironically, unlike the inheritance that you get here in this life because your parents did well financially and they invested with Dennis Wilson and they left you a nice inheritance, the inheritance you get to be an active participant in because God gives you eternal life with him. God gives you mansions and streets of gold and the whole shot, but he also gives you a crown that's decorated and adorned with the things that he said, well done, good and faithful servant on. But there's a catch. Rather than you walking around and beating people, look at my crown, man, this thing's so heavy, I can barely keep it on my head. Remember the hymn that we grew up singing? Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. Listen to how all the music drowns out anything but its own, my paraphrase. When we take the crown that God gives us, the crown of life, what do we do? We lay it at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he's worthy. Because he paid the price 
to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin. God loved the world so much that when he started his reclamation and redemption project, he started with us people, us sinful, fallen, poor, ornery people. Jesus went to the cross willingly, not of his will, but of the Father's will, to pay the penalty, to bear all of the sin of all mankind on his body, which though it was whipped and beaten and crushed, it was never broken. And he conquered death and hell so that you and I might have eternal life with him. We can never pay him back for what he did, but we can certainly pay it forward in preaching the good news of the gospel to everyone who has ears to hear and receive it. That's the bottom line.